Hello, and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national writer for the Washington Post. Coming today with the pod, my man, Tim McMahon from ESPN.com. Talk to Tim about uh, this week's uh, announcement of the findings uh, in the investigation of the Dallas Mavericks, as well as the punishment for Mark Cuban and, and what we both think was a bit lacking from the league. Uh, also talked about the, the many interesting things going on with the Mavericks on the court this year. Uh, from Luka Doncic to potentially Dirk coming off the bench, this potential being Dirk's last season, uh, to what DeAndre Jordan's future is there, to future cap space situation. I mean, it, they really are one of the most interesting teams in the league this year. I'm really excited to dig in on them, and, and Timmy knows them better than anybody. So uh, also after that, got a little bit into the Timberwolves and Jimmy Butler, and also wrapped up with some talk about the Houston Rockets with Tim Spenerato time around last year. So covered some of the biggest stories going on around the league right now, and Tim is always is an entertaining listen. So Without further ado, let's get right to my conversation with him. Back on the pod, Tim McMahon from ESPN, which means it's it's basketball season. I almost said it is football season. I don't know why I said that. I had the Cowboys on my mind, I guess. How well, it's I... Texas. It's Texas, so football season definitely is uh... <laughs> takes precedent that is that is very true uh tim back in dallas uh training camp starts in a few days uh but while he was in la some big news dropped about uh about the mavericks the the end of the seven month long investigation into the franchise and um you know a lot's been discussed about this we both wrote about it i I guess just quickly off the top here what what were kind of your baseline thoughts on the you know the the ending of this investigation and kind of the the confirmation of what we all you know was, were pretty sure was true from the Sports Illustrated article and and uh, how in, the NBA handled it in terms of you know the the punishments they gave to Dallas. You know, like I said on the jump yesterday, uh, being completely honest, I anticipated that Mark Cuban would serve some kind of suspension. Um, I, I didn't think it was going to be a year long suspension or anything like that, but I, I did think that he was going to. I uh, have to take some time away from the team. You know, I, I saw Tim Couch on the Dallas Morning News touch base with the NBA office, and they basically said they don't want Cuban away uh, while they're doing so much overhauling of the organization in terms of the business side of things. But, you know, I think, frankly, banning Cuban from attending games for a little bit would have been the, uh, you know, the, the most painful punishment that he could have had in, in terms of fairness because to do something that would hurt the basketball side you know so just taking away draft picks or anything like that to me doesn't make any sense when you're punishing a coach and rick carlisle and 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 a roster of guys who had absolutely nothing to do with uh with what was going wrong and and in many cases were uh you know were the complete opposite and have been upstanding citizens for years in Dallas while this stuff was happening uh, on the business side of the organization. Um, the $10 million donation, I, I think that's a, you know, that, that's a nice gesture. I think <clears throat> probably most importantly, perhaps the reason that the punishment wasn't so severe is because they have taken major steps to change the culture of that uh, organization, you know, primarily with the hiring of Sint Marshall and really just giving her complete control. I mean, she is, <laughs> it's it's a it's a different place, you know. Just talking to people uh, who work there, I, I think for everybody, it's a much better place to work. And certainly, she's uh, hired women to leadership positions. She's promoted women to leadership positions. Um, you know, I, I think that the franchise is in a, a much better place now than obviously it had been in the past. Mm-hmm. And look, as, as far as punishment goes for Cuban, I mean, he paid a lot of money to to 
uh, fund this investigation, uh, which was conducted by extremely credible uh, attorneys with investigative backgrounds, a former attorney general of the state of New Jersey, a former uh, prosecutor in the Manhattan District's attorney's office. And there will be lawsuits. I mean, he, he's going to be paying some money directly to uh, the, the people who were, uh, you know, who were harmed, the, the victims here, uh, who were, you know, who were harmed and victimized while working for the Mavericks. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I, I think the, the, the point you touched on that I think is, is the, by far the most important when it comes to why Cuban didn't get suspended is, you know, if you ask the league, you know, they, they will say, well, you know, the Mavericks did all this stuff. Mark immediately apologized. He instituted all these changes. He hired St. Marshall, who obviously is really impressive. You, whether you saw her in the jump or in these other mm -hmm. interviews she's done, she's clearly a really impressive lady with a, with a long track record at AT&T and other big companies. And she has clearly come and done a great job. I, I know she said yesterday we went from, you know, 0% women in leadership to 47%, which is a pretty massive jump. So like all that stuff is fine. Um, it, you know, a Cuban, you know, clearly was humiliated, as you said on the show yesterday, you know, when you watch him getting interviewed by Rachel, who did an incredible job as usual, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who understandably is humiliated by this entire thing. However, to your point, I, I think it's ridiculous that he didn't get some kind of suspension. I mean, to act like, um, well, there were two decades of problems and the fact that Mark was somehow blissfully unaware of all of it happening, uh, you know, means that he shouldn't actually spend time away from the team, which to your point is the one thing Mark Cuban most cares about being the owner of the Mavericks is being at the games behind the bench next to the bench, whatever, like with the team, with Dirk, like it, I, th I kind of thought he might get run for the whole season just as a way to send a message. Uh, I certainly thought he'd get some kind of suspension. I was quite surprised that he didn't, but to your point, you know, that's kind of the way the league is going to lean on this. And the idea uh, to wrap up on that, the idea that uh, they were going to take away draft picks or something, as some people advocated, was just never going to happen. I mean, you look at the, the it, it would if you start going, hey, there was this moral issue over here, like you said, whether it's this or with the Donald Sterling situation. And you say, hey, we're going to take away picks for that. Uh, if you try to start legislating how many how much of a basketball punishment you need to do with that kind of stuff you're just going to find yourself in a position you can't get out of. So I get why they I mean, didn't do and, that. And it's like punishing the Washington Post for something that happened on Amazon. Right, right, right. Well, the other thing too, can we change the rule on the amount the NBA can fine somebody? Like, why Why is it that in, in a league where all the teams are worth a billion dollars, why can nobody get fined more than two and a half million dollars? Like, why do they have to do this nonsense with Mark to have him like agree to pay 10 million instead of being fined 10 million because they only could find him two and a half? Like, Shouldn't that be fixed? Like, I feel they're having the Board of Governors meeting this week. Like, probably should fix that. Probably should have it be that the, the league office can just find somebody. You know? Yeah, but good luck getting, uh, what is it, two-thirds of the owners would have to agree to, to that vote, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I get that part. But, I, I mean, again, I, I think if you'd say, look, clearly nothing's really going to change here, but it looks ridiculous that the league can't. Like, the league couldn't just say, hey, we're going to fine you $10 million, and then we're going to take it and put it towards – whatever, you know, right. where women's, I mean, it's, look, just, and, and, it's and, silly and the way they had to jump through hoops to do it. Well, we understand what happened there. And, you know, Cuban knew that 2.5 million, if, if it was only going to be course. a financial penalty was not, you know, that was not a significant enough number. Um, and that's yeah, why, and, and that's why he partly why he didn't get suspended, right? He worked with them on that. He's like, hey, yeah. let's go way above and beyond what we could do. Let's make it ten million. You know, I'll go sit on the jump for half an hour. I'll, you know, I hired her. We hired St. Marshall. We did all this stuff, right? Um, you know, whatever. But I, right. I, I, and, just, and, I mean, and there's, you know, there 
hopefully that $10 million helps impact positive change. Certainly sent Marshall in Dallas has, has impacted positive change within the organization. When I thought, you know, she has said, I thought she maybe, said from, no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought of this. I thought maybe along the lines of impact, I thought maybe the most interesting thing Mark said on the jump yesterday was like kind of saying he's going to go out and talk about this places, like be like, be some kind of advocate for trying to prevent this kind of stuff from happening other places. If he actually does that and follows through on that, that could actually be something that really does have a material impact beyond this $10 million if he does do it. Right. And before I was so rudely interrupted, <laughs> I was going to say that, uh, you know, Sim Marshall from the day that she got the job has talked about wanting the Mavericks to be a, a model for, you know, how to respond, but, and, you know, more so how to prevent these type of situations. And so, you know, Maybe that happens, but, but like I said, I, I, I do think that uh, as much as I anticipated suspension and, and thought, you know, keeping Cuban away from his beloved courtside seat, you know, bench side seat, right. would have would have uh, probably been appropriate. Um, the, the financial punishments for him are, are not over with. There, there, there will be lawsuits. There right. should be lawsuits, and you know, by commissioning that investigation. Uh, which you know, also cost a, a nice chunk of change. Um, you know, it it has made it. I mean, you know, there there are it, it's it's made it much easier for people to sue. I mean, the the facts yep. are laid out right there. So yep. he, he will be he will be signing more checks for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now let's move on to the actual basketball playing Mavericks. Who you know, when I originally talked about doing this pod, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because after a couple of years in Dallas, where you have not really been in Dallas, even though you live there, because other teams have been a lot more interesting. I don't think the Mavericks are going to make the playoffs unless something crazy happens this year. But this is a team that should be much better and should be really, really interesting, particularly with Luka Doncic on the team. So uh, I guess from your standpoint, as somebody who's been around that franchise for a long time now, uh, it, it, is, there, is it simply Doncic that makes them uh, more interesting to you this year? Or is there, or is there anything beyond that, that that has you interested in, in seeing how this whole experiment goes? Well, it's the formation of a uh, of a young core and, and obviously Luke is kind of the uh, centerpiece of that which I, I'm not quite sure how much Dennis Smith Jr. realizes that you know and it'll be interesting to see how Harrison Barnes uh, adapts to that but you know Luca is they certainly hope going to be the face of the franchise I mean let, let's be honest they spent two lottery picks to go get him yeah one this year and then you know next year I mean I think the Mavericks are a significantly improved team this season and if they're in the east maybe they could get in the playoffs, but in the Western Conference, they you're might probably be talking the, the top ten pick. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that the Hawks figure to be somewhere between seven and eleven. I think that's a reasonable yep uh, expectation. You know, this is um, I think DeAndre Jordan being here certainly uh, makes the Mavericks more competitive. Also adds a little layer of intrigue. You know, is this a a one year short term? Uh, you know, flirtation, uh, kind of uh, of convenience, right? Uh, or is he, you know, does he really click with with Luca and Dennis Smith Jr. and and do they decide next summer, you know, that they want to do something longer term, you know, whether whatever, you know, three four years, uh, a multi year deal with a, a a very athletic big man who will be, you know, who's in his thirties, and so so that'll be interesting. And then look, Dirk's not going to come out and declare it's his last year. He doesn't want the uh, retirement tour. I think it's, it's, it's very fitting though, that D Wade does and Dirk doesn't. It's probably both of their <laughs> last years. And, yeah. and, and certainly, you know, the, uh, the rivalry they've had over the years, I think kind of the way they're, they're going about it is, uh, not, not surprising and, and, and in some ways kind of humorous, but it's, it's, 
very likely Dirk's last year. I mean, you know, he's he's not moving well. Uh, it's been a it's been a tough summer rehabbing for him from the ankle surgery, but he's still Dirk Nowitzki. He's still, you know, you, you, when he's out there on the floor and, he, and he's picking, popping, you still got to respect that. If he's just, you know, spotting up on the weak side, you still got to respect that. And so, you know, I, I think just kind of chronicling what's probably the last year uh, of a legend, one of the all-time greats, one of the all-time great dudes in the NBA is going to be fun and just seeing what kind of impact he might be able to have on Luka Doncic, who uh, has talked about wanting to soak up all kinds of Dirk's wisdom, and and I would certainly uh, hope that that would start for him with paying attention to just how much preparation and how much work Dirk does that isn't on a basketball court, and and all the things Dirk does to take care of his body, starting with his diet, which if Luca wants to be a superstar, there's going to need to be some changes made there. Yeah, I, I want to get into that in a second, but just to just to pivot back to Dirk real quick. I know he talked a few weeks ago and he said something like it might not be my last year. I'm still we'll see how it goes. But is, is your sense of it from the kind of the, the way the rehab has gone and just kind of the general vibe around things that this this does seem like it is the end for him? Yeah, I mean, uh, and he won't. And he'll he, not, I know he'll never say it. Yeah, he won't say it, and and he he might not decide that until next summer. But he's always said, you know, he'll keep playing as long as it's fun and as long as his body lets him. Look, he's forty years old. Right. There's a lot of miles on there. Like I said, that that ankle thing has been tough, and you know, if if and he, you know, we'll see what they say uh, at media day. But my sense is he's going to come off the bench. Uh, so you know, his role oh, interesting. Than ever. You think so? Yeah, I I do think so, and I think that makes basketball sense and. Uh, strange as it sounds, from an ego management perspective, it's much easier to bring Dirk off the bench than it is Wesley Matthews. Oh, no question. Very, a very proud vet who's in a contract year and, and you know and is going to want to uh, not cut his minutes back much and, and you know put himself in a position to get a, a decent deal uh, next summer. I hadn't really um, thought about that. So, so you, so, so, so that would be Dennis, Luca, Dennis Smith, Luca Doncic, Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes, and, and DeAndre, right? Right. And honestly, I think that uh, you'll see Luca essentially as as a power forward. I think he's going to be a you know you call it a, whatever you want a power point forward. Interesting. Uh, I think that'll be his primary position because um, you know one you don't necessarily want him guarding explosive uh, wing players because the biggest knock on him is how athletic is he, you know, especially in terms of, uh, of quickness. Right. Uh, and, and two, Harrison Barnes, you know, they started out last season with him as the power forward. And then that's not a position that, uh, that he likes, you know, he, he's, he doesn't like having to bang with the bigger guys and, and those sort of things. So I, I think Luka Doncic, I don't know how they'll list it, but I think sure. he's going to be playing a lot of power forward, well, but, like I said, power forward that's going to have the ball in his hands. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can get other power forwards to defend him, which you can't dictate those matchups, obviously. Teams might decide to put the fours on Harrison Barnes. Right. If, they can, if, they, if fours are defending Luka Doncic, that 4-5 pick and roll with Luka and DeAndre could be, <laughs> could be pretty entertaining. Yeah, well, and, and even just having Luka, Harrison, and, and Wes on the wing, kind of those guys are all pretty similar size. Even if you just kind of throw them out there, whoever they end up on, they can kind of guard anybody from – uh, right from two to four anyway so you can kind of take advantage of the best matchup now Luka, uh, and in a league no, that's so much about in a league that's so much about switchability now yep yep no it's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting lineup and Luca for people that haven't seen him yet like I I've, I've watched him a good amount 
uh, playing for Spain or playing for Slovenia, I should say, and playing in Spain for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. But seeing him at the NBA draft, I don't know if you had a chance to really be around him yet because I know he didn't play at summer league. But he is massive. Like he oh, he kid. is he is built like a like a brick wall walking around, and he's he's six seven six eight. He's wide. I mean he. I mean, the guy I've kind of thought of him becoming eventually, if it works out right, is James Harden. And I think he's kind of the same kind of big, you know, he's bigger than James, but he's the same kind of like big physical guy who might not be the most athletic guy because like James Harden isn't, you know, Russell Westbrook athletic, athletically, but he's able to kind of get wherever he needs to go and is able to use his strength to do that. And, um, you know, Luca, that is an interesting idea, having him play some four and kind of being able to take advantage of slower guys because – um, you know, that could really be a pretty devastating setup if they can get it to work that way. And, and you know, it's interesting. I think Harden is a good comparison uh, athletically because you talk about NBA athleticism, and a lot of that is being able to slam on the brakes. Yep. And, and that's what makes Harden so special. That's, that's what makes that jump back, or that step back, rather, jump back, <laughs> you know, travel back, whatever you want to call it. That's what <laughs> makes that so so difficult to defend. And P3, you know, the, uh, the place in Santa Barbara where, a lot of these NBA players train, put out a video comparing Luca's, you know, ability to slam on the brakes and, and change directions to James Harden. So, you know, th- there's no doubt that's an interesting comparison. Now, really, when you're talking about is he going to be athletic enough, you're talking about how's he going to be able to defend. And look, Luka Doncic will never be on an all-defensive team, okay? Right. But if he's as special as they think he can be offensively, then, you know, Dirk Nowitzki never made an all-defensive team, and the Mavericks have certainly enjoyed employing him for the last two decades. That's uh, right. James Harden will never be on an all-defensive team. The, the Rockets are very happy to have him on our – exactly, going down the list. And, you know, you, you say he's built like a brick wall. They, he, he, he's got some baby fat on Well, and, right. You know, I should – right. There, That's a good point. There are <laughs> – you know, he's he, – if, if he wants to fully achieve his potential, uh, like I say, he, he, uh, he would be wise to pay attention not just to all the stuff Dirk does in the gym – but just how strict Dirk is with his diet, just how, uh, you know, h- how professional Dirk is in terms of essentially eliminating all kinds of, you know, any variation of nightlife uh, during the season. Mm-hmm. Because Luca has the kind of frame where, you know, he, he, he was with the summer league team, didn't play, you know, was, was off touring the world, you know, on vacation, Croatia, da, da, didn't, Mavis didn't see him for a couple months. He came back a little, I don't want to say, fat but by by nba standards not in great shape right (laughs) the the thing is though he's so he's not in great shape and he's absolutely dominating pickup games and they they truly believe that you know aside from lebron james he will step into the nba as perhaps the best passing forward in the league i'm with him on that that special i'm with him on that and, you know, you look at his shooting numbers in Europe, and, and they're not going to blow you away. Um, but, you know, talking to Jonathan Giovanni and, and Mike Schmitz, who obviously are Draft Express guys who have seen him a ton. Yep. You know, so many of those shots are shot clocks running down, got to get something up. Uh, talking to Mavs folks, they believe right now he's an above-average NBA shooter. And, and like I said, an above-average NBA shooter who's just absolutely special in terms of vision and, and you know, and, and has that, that crack. He's going to be – their primary facilitator, which it will be interesting to see kind of how Dennis Smith Jr. adapts. And, you know, those guys, 
I know they're, they're living in the same apartment complex, you know, they, they haven't known each other long, but I guess there's a, there's a bond developing there. Yep. Um, but if it doesn't become an ego thing, I think this really can benefit Dennis because he's not a pure point guard. Right. And this would put him in a position as a secondary playmaker where he can really be in attack mode instead of necessarily having to focus on, okay, I've got to be the run the show quarterback out here. Right. Well, and, and if there's, if there's a single place in the league that you could make that work, you would have to think it's Dallas, right? I mean, with the way Rick Carlisle's always wanted to have multiple point guards and multiple right. ball handlers on the floor, like that, I mean, that's why I'm really, I mean, Dallas is one of those things I'm most interested to watch this year, not just because I'm all, like, I'm all in on Luca. I think he's going to be a megastar in the league. But um, I, I also, like, t- to me, Carlisle having a chance to have two young guys like him and Dennis, I mean, imagine, you know, if Luca's got the ball in a pick and roll, like you said, with DeAndre, and he cuts in and kicks it out to Dennis Smith on a secondary, uh, you know, a secondary drive against some defender rotating around. I mean, there's few guys more athletic in the league than Dennis. I mean, it, it does just really seem like, you know, long term, like you said, as long as there's no like real ego situation there, but they're going to be able to both have the ball a lot. I mean, to me, right. it, just, it just looks like a situation that could really be really good for the Mavericks for a long time. Right. And like I said, I think you're going to have Dennis having a chance to attack a lot of scrambling defenses to, you know, attack guys closing out. Now he's going to have to make significant strides uh, as a shooter. And, and certainly if he, if he can become a uh, consistent threat, you know, the team have to respect as a spot up guy that helps everything. Right. For, for Luca and for him. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what they can do in terms of, uh, you know, Dennis is a, as an off ball cutter, but look, I, his athleticism, that, that's the one thing about him that's absolutely special. And I think this will put him in a position where, uh, like I said, he can, it can be more about his athleticism and, and less about kind of learning on the fly about how to be, you know, a, a professional point guard for a very demanding head coach. Cause I think a lot of those responsibilities are going to fall on the uh, shoulders of Luka Doncic. Yeah, no question. Now, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan before. I was a little surprised this summer when, you know, it was kind of rumored for a while that DeAndre to Dallas was going to happen. It made sense, especially after DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. The Mavs needed a big. They were going to have max cap space. Um, You know, DeAndre, obviously, a couple years ago, famously signed an offer sheet with them, only two. Uh, end up going back to the Clippers as, as you, I believe, chronicled yeah. quite a long story. Ramona Shelward, people should go back and read. But problem is they didn't they didn't get him to sign. <laughs> oh, right, true. I was yeah, thinking I was thinking he was a, I was thinking he was restricted for agent, but that's right, oh, he was no. unrestricted. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, good catch on that. But um, I was surprised that he only ended up signing. Our, our, did he did he sign a one year deal or did he opt? Yeah. I can't. He, I couldn't remember. If he, that's right because they tried to trade for him, then they didn't trade for him, then he then he signed essentially the same deal he had if he'd picked up his option. So even a little bit less, right? Yeah. So twenty three. And look, you factor in state income taxes and lack there, blah blah blah. The money's roughly the same. Sure. Um, but yeah. But the thing I was fact- curious about, just just to ask, I. I was surprised that he wasn't able to get the Mavericks to give him more years. So I guess I, you know, I didn't, he was not that great last year. He seemed kind of checked out. You talked to scouts who saw him and they were kind of like, yeah, we're not really sure what the deal is with the Andres. Obviously approaching 30 is a guy whose ba- game is based on athleticism. Mm-hmm. Was this kind of a, was Dallas like, Hey, we're going to bring you in for a year and see how it goes. Uh, is this something where they're hoping to upgrade there in a year? Like what, what was kind of the situation there? Cause it, to me, it was really interesting how they handled that and how it wound up. Cause I thought him on a one-year deal, like when you heard he was going to Dallas, like, Oh, if this is a four-year deal for a hundred or some, that's going to not look very good in a couple of years. But the fact they got him on a one-year deal, it, it seemed like a pretty nice move for them. 
Well, and look, they probably paid more for one year in terms of salary than they would have had to if it was a longer deal given the market. Right. But the market also allowed them to make this a one-year deal, to, to make it a situation where it's a trial period, to see how well he fits, you know, to, to be uh, around him on a daily basis and really monitor him and, and, and get a better feel for, okay, you know, was it, was it a motivation thing last year, the very turbulent season for the Clippers when, you know, and, and for him personally when he's on the trade block, they don't deal him, he wanted to be moved, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, is this the, you know, are there some, some signs of athletic decline, which look, there have not been in terms of his ability to finish there. I mean, he's still uh, one of, if not the best rebounder in the NBA, but certainly he's, I mean, he slipped big time as a defender last year. And again, you know, it, it, was that motivation or, or was that the start of a decline? So it kind of allowed the Mavericks to put him in a position or to put themselves in a position to, to have a full season to evaluate him, but they wanted to compete this year with it probably being Dirk's last year. They want, they feel like having uh, DeAndre and then Dwight Powell coming off the bench, you know, so if they want, they can always have a, a great pick and roll finisher right. uh, in the game. And, and look, Dwight Powell, if you look at the numbers, is a great pick and roll finisher. He's a really that, nice that, backup big. Yeah, but they, they feel like that puts them, uh, that, that kind of gives them the, the best uh, opportunity to fully develop their young playmakers talking about Luke and Dennis Smith Jr. with them, you know, always being able to to, uh, to have those uh, threats to space the floor, you know, to to run pick and rolls with those sorts of things. Um, and you know, I, I think for DeAndre, look, it's it's one year at a at a very nice number um, in a in an intriguing situation where he's going to clearly have a chance to showcase himself. And if it's a long term fit, it's a long term fit. Uh, and, and they can work something out next summer. But if not, he's putting himself in a situation where, you know, he can showcase himself for other teams, whether, you know, who knows what that could be. Could he go back to L.A. with the Lakers next summer? I mean, we can go down the list of teams that will have cap space. But there wasn't much of a market for him or really any big uh, this summer. Now, when the Mavericks did the deal, I think there's certainly they will be monitoring the progress of, of Boogie Cousins. There's been a long-term flirtation there. And, you know, Cuban uh, on the record told me that, look, they talked to Boogie's people and and they just told him, look, it doesn't make sense this year because we're trying to p- compete this year. You know, we're trying to take a major step for Dirk for the development of the young players. And right. it just doesn't make sense for the Mavericks at that point to commit to Boogie, not knowing when he'll be back. Uh, but, you know, if, if he comes back for the Warriors, looks good, certainly, you know, he would be an option uh, that, the, that the Mavericks would have next summer. And, and, and at the time with the DeAndre deal, I think the Mavericks were hoping uh, or, or would have at least would have liked to see uh, negotiations not go well for Clint Capella in Houston, which, you know, I don't think they did, but not go well enough to where, you know, if he would have taken a qualifying offer. Well, if he'd taken a qualifying so, offer, he would have gotten a max offer from the Mavericks. I think it's safe to say on 1201 yeah, on July 1st or whatever time they, range he starts. Exactly. They, they would have been front of line. So Capella clearly is not going to be an option. And, and, and by the way, credit to Daryl Morey for getting one of the best young bigs in the game at a deal that I think is going to age awful. It looks good now, and I think it's going to age great. Oh, that uh, that was a the heist. That was a heist for the Rockets, an absolute heist. Yeah. But like I said, I, you know, I I think not that the Mavericks thought that was how things were going to play out with Capella, but if indeed they did, they want to be in position to pounce. Sure, no question about it. So 
Uh, you've mentioned it a couple times. Dallas, obviously, with it being Durks last year, with the fact they haven't been in the playoffs for a while or really been in the mix, uh, you know, or at least potentially Dirks last year, they did clearly want to try to compete this year. Um, the West is brutal. I do think they got a lot better between adding DeAndre, between adding Luca, some improvement from, you know, Dennis Smith. Um, how good do you think this team could be realistically in the West? Well, look, they also have a head coach who, unless the Mavericks are tanking, which obviously was the case last year, <laughs> you know, they have a head coach who can kind of consistently <clears throat> steal you some wins. Right. Uh, it, you know, given that they're in the Western Conference, if they flirt with 500, I think Rick Carlisle should be on coach of the year uh, ballots. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to be a very fun to watch, intriguing 11th or 12th place team in the Western Conference standings. You know, I mean, you look at the eight teams that were in the playoffs last year, you figure the Lakers and Nuggets are going to take a couple spots. You know, maybe the Timberwolves, will, <laughs> that situation certainly looks like they're ready to stumble. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see about the Spurs, although I would bet on them extending their playoff streak. But, I mean, there's just – I feel like there's 10 playoff caliber teams. You know, the Grizzlies, if Mike Conley's back, are, are going to obviously be drastically improved with Jaron Jackson Jr. as well. Do you think the Clippers are in the playoff mix, or are they not good enough? No, I, I, I don't think so. I would be surprised by that. I think I think the, the I kind of put the Mavs, Clippers, Grizzlies all in that uh, in that same tier of you know what? Hey, maybe if they were in the East, um, you know what, what's interesting though is I think of those three, the Mavericks, the one that's kind of got a, a foundation future. Although, look, the Grizzlies obviously they got a guy who they think can be a, a franchise player as well going in the future with Jaron Jackson Jr. Although, I tell you, him playing power forward this year is interesting to me. I would I. You know, I would rather shop Mark Gasol and see if you can't move him and go ahead and showcase Jaron Jackson Jr. at uh, center because I think he's kind of going to be the prototype big man for the next generation. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. I would not be surprised if that ends up happening. I believe Mark has got a chance to be a free agent next summer. And if, if things don't go right there, he might end up just leaving and then they'll have Jaron play uh, center anyway. Um, and, and certainly I'm with you. I think that, uh, you know, I think Dallas has got a chance to be around 500, uh, depending on how good Luca is. And like you said, they've got one of the best coaches in the league, Rick Carlisle. Um, but what's even more interesting to me is they're just unbelievably well set up for next summer. I mean, I was just double checking now. Like, uh, I, I don't know what your opinion is on what Harrison Barnes will do in the last year of his deal. I think you could honestly go either way, um, given the amount of money that's available next summer. But they could have, if he opts out of his deal, they're going to have like somewhere around $12 million in money on their books and like $80 million or so in space, which in a summer where there's you know, eight or nine star free agents would maybe finally put them in a position to, to land a star or two in free agency after they've struck out so many times the past few years. Yeah. Now, now having said that though, it's going to be a very competitive market next summer. And, you know, you've seen Jimmy Butler's list of teams, obviously, you know, market matters uh, to him. You know, you hear the, the Knicks 
buzz around Kyrie Irving. So when you've got both L.A. teams, uh, you know, the New York teams in position to be uh, shoppers and, and, and in particular, you know, uh, with the um, – it's the the Lakers LeBron thing's interesting. It's like it, you know, like the the Lakers not being on Butler's list is interesting. But you know that that's a chance for a guy to go there and be uh, an instant contender if you if you team up with LeBron. You know if the if the Clippers can pull off a couple. Um, you know people always ask me why haven't the Mavericks been able to hit home runs in free agency? And I've always said because they've struck out so much in the draft. Right. You know there was never any. You know, there's you. You looked at the roster, and you know, even when Dirk was in his mid 30s, you still well, it's aging Dirk, and then you know, what else is there? Where's the upside? And so that's why I, for obviously a ton of reasons, but that's one of the reasons I think that the the development of Luca in particular is just so critical to massive everything with this franchise. Because look, if Luka Doncic comes in here has a rookie of the year kind of campaign and is a guy who's just making highlight dimes on a, on a nightly basis and, and guys around the league look at it and say, man, it, that guy is going to get you buckets. It would be fun to play with him. Right. Then suddenly the Mavericks are, are much more attractive as a free agency destination. It's not that look NBA players like Dallas. It's not LA. It's not New York. It's not the city. You know, it's not, uh, I think Cuban probably overestimated his, his charm and his ability to close deals, but if not the guys don't want to play for Mark Cuban, uh, I just think it's it's that they didn't see upside for the franchise right. in the past. And and like I said, with these two young lottery picks, I, and and Luca especially, I think they have a chance to change that perception. Yeah, no question. And and I think you know that that to me really is the difference. You know, like you said, you 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 know you're running through you know teams like the Clippers and the Nets and the Knicks and the, even the Lakers. You know, the, you know a lot of these teams. You know, the Lakers obviously the one exception because they have LeBron. But mm-hmm. if if Dennis Smith and and Luke are really good this year, that's a better young core than all those other teams have. And you factor in no state tax. You factor in the ability to play with a second guy there, even if Harrison Barnes does opt in. You could probably move Harrison Barnes pretty easily on an expiring deal if you wanted to next summer in a, in a market flush for cap space to get even more money. I mean, uh, that's why to me, like it really is set up for them. Where if Luca comes in and is really good, uh, all of a sudden that's a team with two young guys on rookie deals uh, with a ton of cap space around them. You could remake your team on the fly, and I could see them being a team that's much more appealing to a Jimmy Butler to uh, some of these other guys that hit the market in, in six months if if they play well. And that, like you said, that really is where it comes down to. Like, can Carlisle coach these guys up? Can they uh, look like they're headed in the right direction? Because all of a sudden you've got a, a young, promising core in a, in a no-state tax state uh, with in a big market uh, with an owner that's clearly willing to spend if the team is good uh, in particular. Um, you know, it does really line up for them to finally have the success they've been waiting to have in the, in the free agent market. You know what? I think the Knicks could be a very intriguing place. Uh, I don't know that Porzingis plays this year or not, but obviously he's He'll play a, a little, I think, but not for a while. The problem with okay, them is, say, though, it's say, tough for them to get the money. Like, they have to make a lot of moves to free up money. They can't do it, and they do have Kevin Knox. They do have some guys, but, like, the Mavericks yeah. have it open. That's the right, thing. Right. Like, you yeah, the Mavericks, the, Mavericks books are, the Mavericks books are very well set up. Uh, there's no question. And, obviously, that's – that's intentional. I mean, that, that was a, but you know what? The Mavericks are one of the very few teams this summer that had cap space and they really didn't capitalize on it in, in, in terms of long term. They decided to, uh, you know, do the trial period thing with DeAndre. Um, and, you know, maybe it was just a case of they didn't feel like there was that fit. 
uh, or that, you know, they'd rather put themselves in a, you know, keep the powder dry is an old Donnie Nelson term that right. <laughs> people cringe at in Dallas because it never uh, fully panned out. But instead of, you know, they, I mean, they could have gotten guys at, at, at really nice numbers that would have been nice rotation players, you know, not nice kind of complimentary pieces uh, on bargain deals in summer, but they opted not to, not to take that route. Yeah, no, and, and you know this, this isn't the first time we've talked about them going down this road, like you like you alluded to, right? And you know this time, if it doesn't work out, it could really bite them because, like you said, in a market where there's a lot of cap space, it's not going to be. It's probably not going to be like this summer where uh, you could get a lot of guys for good deals, right? I mean, if there's a lot of money around, if you're going to have to sign guys, you're probably going to have to pay guys, like when they when they paid Harrison Barnes a few years ago. Like that was the same kind of market. And well, that know, was that was the the most. I mean, that obviously was the exception market. That no, I get cap, that. I get that. But I, I get that. But after two years of the cap being flat with it jumping up 10 million, like you are going to have a lot of teams. There's going to be 10 or 15 teams with a ton of cap space. Like, right. You, you are going to have 27 like that year. No, but it, I guess all I'm saying is to your point, like if they did, you, they could have used that money, like their money this summer, $24 million or 20 or $30 million would have gone a lot farther this summer than next summer. So if you don't get a star. Yeah. So if right. you so now like you they're set up to swing for the fences right so you you better get a hit because if you don't you could be stuck in a position where you're paying guys a lot more than you want to and you kind of fail to take advantage of the opportunity you set yourself up with right of course next summer is also a much richer summer in terms of the the crop out there right uh, in part because of the guys who you know people have known we're going to be on the market next summer for a while with their contracts. And because of all the one-year deals that were signed last summer, because the money was so dry. Yep, no question about it. A lot of guys lined up for that too. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting uh, it's going to be a very interesting summer to watch play out because there are there are a lot of elements to it that um, you know teams a lot of teams punted on this summer uh, like the Mavericks and a lot of players punted on this summer. Guys like Thaddeus Young, other guys who opted into deals to make sure they hit the market next year because they thought it'd be a better better opportunity for them. So that would be interesting to follow. Now you. Um, before, before we bounce, you were in, uh, LA, like you said, before, as all this Jimmy Butler stuff was happening, uh, the past couple days, um, uh, you know, him and Tibbs, Tibbs flies down there, gets, gets this news, which isn't great for him. And then flies back to Minnesota to figure out what to do next. Uh, you know, you've spent a little time around that team being in the West the last few years. What, what is kind of your sense on what their path forward is here? Because it does not, it does not look like the, uh, the best situation to put it mildly just a few days before camp starts. Well, and, you know, is this a situation where ownership needs to kind of step in and, and uh, dictate things? Um, and ownership stepping yeah. in in Minnesota might not be the best, <laughs> might not be the best, uh, the best thing, given the track record there. True, but the, the, the issue is, is, is Tibbs, as the primary personnel decision maker, operating in, in terms of trying to protect himself and trying to survive. Right. Um, because, look... It, <laughs> Man, if they don't get, and you know, you're never going to get a uh, hundred cents on the dollar in in this situation. But if they don't get a decent return for Jimmy Butler, boy, I mean, and you know, you saw Lori Markinen's uh, unbelievable. Throw, throw, I mean, the, all the all the stuff. Thursday let's tweet. just take a second. So this is probably going to go up Friday morning, but Wednesday night you have. You have the the Jimmy Butler trade announcement. You have Andrew Wiggins' brother say hallelujah on uh, Twitter. You then have Jimmy Butler, like, jokingly say hallelujah on uh, an Instagram video. Then you have... uh, Keep that same energy. Yeah, keep that same energy. That's right. Then you have... 
And then at some point, Steven Jackson decides to weigh in and just does a complete drive-by on Andrew Wiggins. Not oh, on- coming in off the top and then, rope. And then, and then Wiggins decides to go back and forth with him. Uh, but leading, leading people to- first thought Wiggins was taking a shot at Jim Correct. Butler. That, which then leads to Stephen Jackson going back on Instagram and just, again, just, just eviscerating Andrew Wiggins with his rookie Nets jersey in the background, with his All-American, McDonald's All-American jersey in the background. I, it just Now he's, today he's going back and forth with, with his brother again on, on Instagram or on Twitter. I mean, it's the whole thing was like the perf- – and you mentioned the Lowry stuff. Lowry tweeting a picture of him walking on the stage with his Timberwolves hat on while his profile picture is him with his Bulls hat on. I mean – the whole thing was just like NBA uh, petty wars, uh, you know, in a nutshell. It was incredible. And, and, and Gar Pax, I think, are probably just grinning and, and following it all from Chicago, feeling pretty good about the deal they got for Jim Butler with Mark and looking like he's going to be a star. Chris Dunn, I think, is a quality player now. We can talk about overpaying Levine and blah, blah, blah. But still, that Bulls deal that they got ripped for at the time looks awfully good now. And it's going to be very interesting to see the return because look, the t- the list of teams that Butler wants, like, well, let's just set not- us. Let's just set aside. The why list would of teams. why would they? Why, okay, yeah. Where 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 if if let's say the let's say Glenn Taylor goes to Tibbs and says you have to trade Jimmy Butler by Monday, and let's say t- whether and then whether Tibbs has to get fired to do that or whatever. Let's just let's just pretend in that yeah. let's he's going to get traded the next seventy two hours. Where where makes sense? What trade makes sense for him? I think the and I think the Clippers have the best collection of young assets to where you know you probably try to start over Tobias Harris and you know they got a couple lottery picks and and you build out from there but if you're the Clippers you're saying well eh, we're not we're not contending this year we're probably not even a playoff team um you know he has interest here we you know we we'd have interest in him right uh certainly uh you know Kawhi Leonard's clearly going to be their top target but would love to to uh you know t- get a little combo package going there but so why give up good assets to go get them now when you can go after them next summer and, and be in a great position well and that's the tricky thing kind of on all sides right like the the, the fact that this Nets, happened Knicks. well right they they can't they don't have the assets the, to trade for them well and 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 why would they give them up like Right, the Knicks. They're not. The Knicks, they're, they're not the Knicks making have said, playoffs this year. Right, the Knicks have said publicly and privately. You know, the same things are they had their. They're having their press conference today, their preseason press conference. They're saying all the same things. We're not trading first round picks. You talk to them privately, they say the same thing. We're we're finally not doing the same circular. We're going to try to be good now thing. You know, no, they're rebuilding and they admit it. Which if that's it's good. Which you is know, good. Zingas probably doesn't play much, if at all. This right. Year. My guess is he comes Looks back. Looks like they got a player, Kevin Knox, but right. look, they're. You know, they they're aiming for a high pick next year. Right, a team like the, the Nets and the Nets and Clippers both to me are interesting because they have enough stuff that you could throw you know three or four rotation guys in a trade, and not that it's not that it's going to be a great return for Jimmy Butler because you're you're never going to get like you said a hundred cents on the dollar for him. But if you could get several rotation players to kind of plug in around. Carl Towns and and you know what you would like to think is a, an improved Wiggins this year. Though so far there hasn't been much proof that that's going to happen. Um, you at least Yellow can grow right. <laughs> that was unbelievable last night. God, uh, you can at least get some. You can get some guys in that fit with Towns. You can you can try to reintegrate him. But look, that's the other thing. 
Towns has had his main assistant coach, Vince Lagarza, get fired this summer. Uh, and then he goes to signs with the gets hired by the Jazz, who are an organization to know what they're doing. So that's not the best sign for Minnesota. Yeah. And now Towns is not signing his contract extension. And, you know, it's not entirely clear that he's going to. I mean, my guess is he eventually well, does, it, but he well, might not. He does because, well, look, he's, you know, you know how it goes with guys coming off rookie deals. They, they don't have a lot of a leverage. So, but I look. As much as people talk about Towns versus Jimmy Butler, it's Towns versus Tibbs, and and this is the problem for Tibbs. He's right. he's you know his his top lieutenant wants to jump off the boat. I um, mean it's 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 a mess. I mean you and, you heard but, all last season there was issues with all three star players with each other with Tibbs. I mean the, Jimmy and Tibbs are fine relationship wise. I think it's safe to say, but there were issues with the two younger guys with Jimmy. There were issues with the two younger guys and Tibbs. There were issues with the two younger guys with rolls and shots. Like it's just a messy situation. And like you said, it's hard to see. It's hard to see how this gets rectified. Like I look at the West. You mentioned it before, right? You look at how good the West is. You could argue there's 13 teams. I think that could potentially be 500 or better in the West. Like obviously they're probably not all going to be, but like if right. if things you break 13, right, they, they 13 could relatively you know relatively quality teams. Do, right. You know again Clippers, Grizzlies, Mavericks. You know depending on definition, but. Sure, ain't gonna be easy to play against. Right. So if you're Minnesota and you're you have all this dysfunction, like it's just it's just hard to see in a West where there's that much talent. Like if you're not pulling in the same direction, you could fall behind quick. Well, and, and, and it you know, could as be a much real as, mess. You know, talk about Hallelujah, uh, Wiggins' big brother, Jimmy Butler is gonna be gone, bro. You were 37 and 22 when Butler played, and 10 and 13 when he didn't last year. Big bro, <laughs> as, as Stephen Jackson would say. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, I'm telling you, man, the Towns Tibbs thing. I covered that Rocket Timberwolves playoff series, and not pretty. Know, Towns pretty direct, or Tibbs rather, pretty directly called Towns out after very passive, lackadaisical, no-show type of performances in the first couple games. And and you know, well, and where's Cap- Towns regressed the most defensively? And Tibbs is a defensive guru. Like that's yeah, the thing just, that's been most baffling, baffling about his situation. This, the they're just not on the same page, and you can tell Cat just does not uh, enjoy playing for Tibbs. Um, you know, he he was very passive aggressive about it, but kept talking about, well, it's the game plan, it's the game plan. And Tibbs, his whole thing is, you got to play with energy. You know, you you got to run the floor. You know, you got to post up strong. I mean, he's basically calling him out for being for being. He didn't use the word, the four letter word, but he was calling him out for being soft. Right. Uh, and, and man, Towns, even in the games where he put up numbers in that series, whew, he was so Clint, Clint Capella. Clint Capella outplayed him pretty oh, clearly. killed him. Killed and, him. You know, that's not it, – it, you know, Towns, Towns is a guy who, who has, you know, MVP caliber potential uh, of the league. He's that good. But um, <laughs> he's, he's either been in neutral or backslid the last couple of years, which is just strange. So Right. And, look, he put up numbers his first couple of years, but they never won anything. Right. And – and so then they get Butler's, you know, they win with Butler. Uh, Towns doesn't like, I don't know. It's just, that's a, it's a situation where, look, we know who's, we don't know how long the fight's going to go. You know, is it going to be a knockout? Is it going to be a decision? But we know that, that Towns is going to, you know, Tibbs versus Towns, Towns is going to win. He's going to win that, that boxing match. Um, but I don't know that Towns has heavyweight champion potential. I don't know if, if he's a guy who is the, centerpiece of a franchise you can build a winner around there there's, there's he's got a lot to prove in that regard 
yeah. despite all the talent. No, no question about it. I mean, you know, he hasn't, I mean, he's, he hasn't, like you said, the only time they've won in his, in his career is when Jimmy Butler's been on the court. So, you know, if, if that's still the case this year, maybe they'll continue to win. If it's not, let's see if he can, if he can impact winning now, real quick, before we go, you spent a ton of time with the Rockets last year, been a very interesting summer for them. Uh, you know, losing Trevor Reza, losing Luka Bamute, bringing in Carmelo Anthony and, uh, James Ennis trading Ryan Anderson and DeAnthony Melton away uh, in a deal that, again, just looked like straight salary cap savings and luxury tax savings. You asked Silva Fertitta personally in July if the tax had ever come up. He said, I think his direct quote was, I've, it's never once been discussed, which is laughable in my opinion, yeah. and I think also in yours. Uh, and now Jeff Bazilic recently just retired. So uh, all that being said, kind of what is your assessment of the Rocket summer and has their window closed? You know, I'll disagree with you on the Phoenix deal just purely being about uh, money. Obviously, that was the primary reason for it. But mm-hmm. Brandon Knight, you know, he's, he's, we'll see if the if the knee lets him do it. But they need uh, a, a quality quality backup point guard play because cr- managing Chris Paul uh, throughout the season is going to be obviously a, a priority. I'd be surprised if he plays many more than 60 games. I just feel whether... like DeAnthony Melton had a chance to be like, like a Jordan type contributor this year. And I, I can't see Ryan. I can't see Brandon. I doing that. Well, I, like I said, I think they, they need quality backup point guard play. And then Marquise Chris is a decent little flyer to take, but you're right. That's that. I mean, primarily it's, it, it's about savings and, and more to your, to your bigger point. Uh, as as great as they historically offensively last year, and the, and the Chris Paul James Harden marriage, you know, worked out when as well as it passed spectacular. Because. Yeah, no question. The biggest jump they made last year was going from a mediocre defensive team to a really good defensive team, from 18th to sixth in the defensive efficiency rankings, and three of the guys who were critical to that are gone. And that is Jeff Bezdelic, the defensive guru, who is the architect of the whole thing. Uh, Trevor Rees and Luke Mbamute, who were absolutely critical to the switch everything scheme that they played. Um, now, from what I understand, the no disrespect to Trevor Rees, but the coaching staff does not see going from a Rees to James Ennis as some kind of drastic drop off. You know, I can confirm that. I can confirm that assessment also. Right, especially at at a Reese's age, and certainly when you talk about fifteen million versus minimum. Right. Um, but look, the and and nobody, no, when when he got fifteen million, nobody was like, oh, I can't believe the Rockets let him because that was going to cost so much when you talk about luxury tax and right, you know, for for a role player. So I don't think anybody blames him for not, uh, you know, not making the kind of offer would have t- taken to to keep a Reza. But when Mbamute got one year four point. Three, I want to say. Yep, four point um, three. You know, and the Rockets and never used they, any mid-level exception. Nope, they didn't use that. Um, they only did minimums in terms of uh, the free agency market. And look, they decided that they would much rather have Carmelo Anthony than Luke Mbamute. And, and we're not comparing careers here. We're comparing fits for the Houston Rockets. But Daryl Morey and Chris Paul wanted Carmelo Anthony. I think it's a huge risk. Uh, and, and even, you know, if it works out well on the offensive end of the floor, if, you know, if Team USA, Mellow, Olympic, Mellow, you know, if that pans out this year, uh, which obviously it, it didn't in OKC, but there's better, you know, there, there's better passers and playmakers. If, if that pans out, how much better can a historically elite offense get? The question is, how drastic is the, the drop off going to be defensively? And for a team, for a scheme that's so, uh, reliant on switching, 
I mean, Carmelo Anthony, you know, he moved, it, it's tough enough for him to move, but now there's going to be this huge neon billboard size bullseye attached to him. You know, so he, he's moving with that thing. Teams have, I mean, last we saw Melo, other than the, uh, the hoodie Melo um, videos, which I've never seen any defense stops in those, but last we saw Melo, the Jazz were playing him off the floor in the playoffs. And right. So that, that, that's going to be fascinating. And look, I don't want to sit here and say that had anything to do with Jeff Pesdelic retiring. Uh, you know, my understanding is he'd been thinking about it for a while. He wanted to spend time with his family. You know, he's 65 years old. Um, he did coach Mello in, with the Nuggets and his one head coaching job. Uh, he did get fired after calling Mello out publicly for defense. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think Bezdelic was necessarily giddy about uh, having to, to work around Mello on that in the floor. But I'm not saying that pushed him into retirement. But I am saying I think the job probably became a lot less fun for Bezdelic with, uh, with trying to figure out the Mello dilemma. You don't you don't say trying to get Carmelo to defend has gotten a lot of coaches fired. <laughs> well, and look, at this point, it's not even about like effort. And, right. You know, so whether you can commit. actually so whether you can actually move yeah, his body yeah. enough to do it. Right. Like, I mean, he can, you know, Melo can come in there and, and, and try really hard. And it's just, you know, he's he's going to have a bullseye on him. It's he's teams are going to hunt him. And, uh, you know, <laughs> media day is going to be fascinating because Melo's really hadn't talked since uh, signing with Houston. And obviously the big question is who, who me, yo P they want me to come off the bench. Well, I think if he doesn't come in there with at least an open mind about it, unlike when he was asked that in OKC last year, that's a problem. You know, that, 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 because I, I do not believe Mike D'Antoni is interested in Carmelo Anthony starting. You know, and I, by the way, I don't think Daryl Morey did him any favors when he went on the radio and said it's not so much about starting as it is about finishing because I, there's going to be situations where he doesn't want him on the floor to finish games either. Yeah, finishing is almost worse, right? I would rather, yeah. I would rather right. start him and not have him finish. Right, you're up, you're up three with two minutes left. You want you want uh, Mello and his neon bullseye out there? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you watch, you know, that, and that's why I didn't like that Ryan Anderson trade because you watched – you watched the Western Conference Finals, right? And what did you need? People that could stay on the floor defensively and not be attacked. And Ryan Anderson couldn't stay out there. But the Anthony Melton might have been able to do that. And yeah. the problem is now Brandon Knight is not, even if he is healthy. And, you know, Marcus Chris, I can't see him doing much for them. So uh, it, uh, they just you know chipped what? away. They just chipped. Like, look, they to me, it was like, all right, they had such an unbelievable year yesterday. They were so close. But when you're in that kind of an arms race, to me, you can't take steps back, right? Well, I, and I, I think I, you could I, argue I at best saying. they're neutral. I hear what you're saying about uh, Anthony Melton. <laughs> Maybe I'm a fool, but I am actually intrigued about the Marquise Chris reclamation project. If he can come in there and, you know, and, and try to, again, it's, it's about. He reminds me of, he reminds depth. me a lot. He reminds me a lot of Jordan Hill, who Mike D'Antoni had with the Knicks uh, 10 yeah. years ago, the guy who was picked to pick after Steph Curry and who was really athletic, but never really quite knew where to be on the court or what to do. And just kind of was a guy for a while. And I think right. Marquise Chris was also the eighth pick and I, he just feels he's going to be the exact same thing. But that being said, Roy Rogers is a great big man coach. And in that system, where you just need a guy to set a pick and run to the rim, he is athletic enough that that, that could turn into something if it works out. Or kind of w- lurk on the baseline while CP3 or yep. um, or, or Harden or you know dribbling teams to death and, and then attacking. And, and that's what Capella got so good at. It's not just the pick and roll finish. And it's 
that, you know, kind of lurking on the baseline and diving to the rim at just the right time. And especially the chemistry he has with Harden, who you think he's going to lay it up. And next thing you know, he's just throwing a little three foot lob that, that Capella's catching and throwing down. So like I said, I'm, I'm, I've got a weird fascination to see the Marquis Chris reclamation attempt. <laughs> Maybe I'm a fool, but no, uh, I listen. Also, I mean, that's yeah. if, if Houston is going to beat the Warriors this year or be in that conversation, assuming everybody's healthy, they're going to need guys like they're going to need to find a way to, to make a Michael Carter Williams reclamation project work. They're going to have to find a way to make a Marquis Chris reclamation project work. Like they're going to need to figure stuff like that out. I think Trevor Reese is going to wind up back there on a buyout. I've said that a couple of times. Uh, would not at all surprise me if he's no. not traded in February that he gets bought out, winds up back in Houston. Uh, you know, cause I don't see Phoenix being anywhere near the playoffs. Uh, so look, they, they're, we know, we both know Daryl Morey is going to find a way <laughs> to make that team better, uh, between now and April. I just, it's just, you look at how, how close they were. And to me, I, I keep thinking about the Blazers in 2000, they blew, I think a 17 point lead against yeah. the Lakers in the Western conference finals in game seven and just never really got back. And yeah, I kind of, I kind of just wonder if that's what it's going to be. And they, I, you know, a hamstring away. You hear that over and over again. Look, they ain't lying. The CP3 is a year older. But you know, to to the point, you know, you, you can, uh, if you're a Rocket fan, you can kind of say, well, hey, maybe not spending the the, the mid level wasn't about being. I don't want to say cheap because they're already paying luxury tax, but. You know, financially, maybe that wasn't a financially minded decision as much as it's a deal where they want to have that, uh, you know, that at their disposal for the buyout market, you know, which will put them in front of the line in the buyout market with other contenders only being able to go minimum. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, like I said, maybe it's a reason. But you know how it is. Every year there's there's buyout guys. Of course, <laughs> last year they won the buyout market and Brandon Wright didn't last very long and Joe Johnson didn't make any impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that as as is uh as is typical for these bio guys. So, all right, man, listen, this was great. I appreciate the time. Uh let people know where they can follow you on Twitter and if you've got any projects coming up here before uh or uh, and as camp gets started next week. Uh at ESPN underscore McMahon, and I'm not sure exactly when it's gonna run, but I took a trip to Puerto Rico this summer to check oh, out one of the World Cup qualifying windows down there and to soak in the Jose Juan Barrea experience down there in Puerto Rico. Oh, that'll be a great story. Yeah. And so he's, you know, he's a legend down there. He's done a ton for people, obviously recovering from devastation. Yeah. And it was fun riding shotgun with him. So I think that one's going to come out uh, hopefully at some point here in the next week. Good. I'll look forward to that. That'll be, that'll be fun. So, all right. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, man. All right, thank you again to Timmy for doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Be sure to go follow him on Twitter and be sure to check out his work covering the league for ESPN.com, one of the best guys out there and also a very good dude. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, in the pages of the Washington Post, on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please give our our podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. Uh, if you give us a five-star rating review, it really helps. So thank you in advance for being willing to do so. Please go support Glenn Yoder in the Western States to do theme music for the pod. I've got a lot of compliments about it from the past. So definitely go uh, support them online. If they're doing a show on the East Coast, uh, go check out their tour schedule and go watch them because they're a very good band. I've seen them in person, can vouch for that. Uh, also go check out our other podcasts uh, from the Washington Post, whether it's Can You Do That, uh, Constitutional, Letters from War, uh, Retropod, um, we got a whole bunch of stuff. We got more stuff coming. It's really, really good stuff that 
our place does uh, really high quality work. So definitely go check all that out as well. Thank you in advance. Thank you again for listening. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed these preview pods and we'll be back next week with the start of camp and bounce around the league. Should be a lot of fun. So thanks as always for listening and we'll talk to you all again soon.